There's Hi, everyone. You are very, very welcome back to another podcast of the Spirit Channel. As always, I'm your host, Zenith. Um, I think both myself and my guests can account for that, that I haven't been abducted by any negative greeters. <laughs> we, we did come close there, thankfully. But today, my lovely guest is someone who um, I'm very familiar with, someone who I consider a dear friend, someone who makes me laugh, and someone who is extremely interesting. Um, If you think that I've had an interesting life, you you need to hear this guest story. It is the lovely Sonia. Sonia, very, very warm welcome, and what an honor it is to have you as my guest. (laughs) Zena, thank you so much for that. You are so kind. Uh, Yes, this is so exciting, and it's very exciting to be able to speak to you face-to-face. We came together bonded over WordPress (laughs) and the law of one. Yes, our common blogs. I guess I should just mention that actually, you know, some of your background is in blogging. That's how we actually met. You raw blog yourself. It's childofhamlin.com, and that is where you publish your stories of what we're going to talk about today. Um, I put you down as a, a kind of um, one second, a a, a a UFO or extraterrestrial or interdimensional experiencer. I don't know if that's quite maybe the words that um, that you would use to refer to yourself. But again, that's what you're here for. You're here to enlighten us. You're here to share. Um, so it's, it's 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 really great. And I know that you have um, videos. You have documentary evidence of some of the phenomena that has taken place in your home. So. This is actually going to be a first today where we're actually going to have live within the podcast some of this video that you've managed to shoot. So just brilliant. So just without further ado, just just let us know who you are. Give us a bit of your background. What what has led you to these crazy experiences? How did you come across this? Were you an ordinary child? Are you are you indeed an alien? (laughs) I would really like to know what I truly, truly am. Uh, Okay, so my name is Sonia. I'm a 60-year-old woman. I live uh, with my life partner in Oregon, and uh, I currently don't work outside of the home. Most of my time is spent in research, blogging, and meditation, just spiritual practices. When uh, So basically, when I was very, very young, at first, the first memory that I have is a before life experience. Now, most of my life, I didn't have a context for before life experience. I just had this memory of floating into my body when I was young. The imagery around that time is me at the age of three. And Mm -hmm. so I thought, did I leave my body and come back at age three? Or what was this? It was just something that was always there. But the thing for me as a child and then later on as an adult was the realization that I was somewhere before I was here, before I was this. And so I always held to the fact that why is everyone so worried about where they go when they pass away? You're just going back to where you were before you got here. Real easy, guys. (laughs) <laughs> and it would it was really phenomenal to me. I mean, I didn't like funerals because of that. I was really confused about why people were so depressed when it came to death. Uh, and I had no way to really or context for explaining that. So it was just something I kept in my head. It wouldn't be until I 
discovered near-death experience stories. Uh, and there was a, I don't remember who the woman was that was doing this particular talk, but she had gone into talking about young children that may pass away. And we don't even know they, they pass coming through the birth canal or what have you, and then having a near death experience and they're coming back. And she also equated that with people do have before life experiences. Some of us have that little bit of memory, which is a peak under the veil. And I guess for me, that made it my, it made my, it was a marker for me so that later in life, I guess I was in my fifties when I really started getting into the spiritual stuff later in life, I get, uh, I start to see more, you know, more, I start to understand that as a concept of me coming into my body. And then, uh, later I have a second, uh, experience, what I call, this is definitely experience because I was not, even though all the adults wanted me to believe that I was dreaming, I knew I wasn't dreaming. And this is the contact story that I talk about on my website that I have outlined there. And essentially what it was, I was sleeping and woke up, but my eyes weren't open yet. Just woke up to this, to, to being awake, about to open my eyes and I hear, and I'm going to have to describe how I get this information. For me, I hear more the words in my head, don't open your eyes or you're going to see something scary. So I immediately open my eyes because I never listen to authority figures. <laughs> and, uh, I immediately open my eyes. There they are. Um, they're flying up from beside the bed. My, there was a little gap between my bed and the wall. So coming up through there is what I see is, it, to me, it looks like a granddaddy long leg spider just coming up and then floating over my bed. I was deathly afraid of spiders. And this is me at the age of four. So I was deathly afraid of spiders. And I freaked out, threw the covers up, needed to get to my sister's bed, which was right next to mine. Uh, to tell her so she could save me. And um, and I did make it there. She, of course, wanted me to just go to mom and dad. She didn't want me waking her up. I peeked out from under the covers to make sure it wasn't there again and I didn't see anything. And so I ran into the hallway, into my, my parents' doorway, where I see this, what to me looks like a granddaddy long leg floating right toward their bed. So let out one of those beautiful high-pitched screams that only a four-year-old girl can do and uh, never seen my parents move so fast ever since. <laughs> but they jumped out of bed, grabbed me, comforted me, figured it was a dream, put me back to bed with my sister uh, and left the lights on. And so my sister covered was covered in the blankets because the lights were on. She went back to sleep. My parents went back to sleep. And that's when even more stuff began to happen. So I began to see something in the door jam. You can see a door jam right behind me here. If you imagine, mm -hmm. I'm looking through that as a child and I see something peeking through the door and I can't figure out what it is. So I lift up to look and it will move back in. Every time I lift up, it moves back. Like, okay, this is kind of neat. I pull the covers up really tight. I'm smart enough at four to know that it could be the covers doing this. So I pull them up really tight. 
and it comes out again. I lift up and it goes back in. And I realize at some point that I know what's going to happen before it actually happens. And I'm getting, now this is different than the voices that said I would be scared. It's different than that. This is more hmm, like a, like a melding of information. It's like, you just know, you just know it. And I knew that what was behind that door, and I was assuming one individual, I was thinking it's an individual, but I knew that what was behind it was sorry, that I had been frightened, um, was very apologetic, uh, was comforting and protective. So I, um, and I'm curious, I want to know what it is. And it, I, I know at some point that it's going to show me something. And it's not something I get to keep or hold, but it's something that I will see. And that's when through the door jam, you see just, a, I see a series of orb lights going by there. I called them at the time ribbons of light because they were long and they were kind of moving like that. And they, but they were in uniform all down the hall because I could see down my hall. And then they would flip around and come back the other side and then go back into that spare room that was on the other side of that door jam. And I was delighted by that. I knew that that was to make me feel better. And, uh, and so I was, I was grateful for that. But then I really wanted to know what was on the other side of that door. And it appeared to me that there was something going on as if it was there was some sort of bargaining or negotiation about what can we show her? Can we show her something else? And this is when I get an idea. There's is there more than one there? But I still think, no, just one. Um, and so I'm like, I, but I want to know who you are. I want to know who you are. And I'm still getting this feeling like they're, they're something's reluctant to show me. But all of a sudden I realize I'm going to get to see something. And so I'm very excited now. I'm really just childlike excited. When right through the door jam comes a hand, exactly like this, because it was the left hand, it was a human hand. And it did twinkle fingers like that and went right back in. I was delighted. There was a person on the other side of that door as far as I was concerned. After that hand went in, that was when my dad woke up. And that was the story and the way the story stayed most of my life until about 2020. It was just this something on the other side of the door and they sent me a bunch of lights. That, that's, I mean, there's so much there that, you know, really to unpack and to really question. You could go any number of ways in this here, but I guess the, the things that stand out to me, first of all, are, are you know, because most people can't even remember. They might remember one or two memories when they were before to remember that amount of detail, you know, because I was expecting maybe just like, okay, well, remember something that's here, uh, but, you know, that's about it. But to, to just to have no kind of interruption there for about five, six, seven, eight minutes and just have this whole you know, length of, of, of spiel of, of all these kind of memories is, is pretty incredible from the age of four. So I guess um, the question then would be, first of all, you know, did you did you remember? Well, you did mention that up until about 20. So you have those vivid memories from the age of four and you carry them pretty much exactly how you said right up until the age of 20. You remember all that when you were four before 
some children can even talk properly before some children can even walk properly before some children even can comprehend the world around them that that's pretty incredible that is pretty incredible yeah yeah it was a stand it was a sticking memory and in uh i realized recently it was probably sticking there so i would continually go back to it mm. you know and and try to figure it out because i had from that point after that happened of course nobody believed me i mean why would you believe the silly things a four-year-old's gonna say but in that disbelief it it i don't i don't want to say somebody else was harming me it's not their fault but i absorbed it and convinced myself not that it didn't happen but that i couldn't talk about it anymore after a certain point because i tried through my life uh, when i was four i got shut shut down pretty quickly but i was able to speak to my sister a little bit about it before she passed away and she said yeah you were always talking about the man because i used to call it the man and um so it was always there and when the orbs began to show up in my digital pictures and in my digital videos it still took a few years of me filming them consistently before i went oh, wait a minute the way that this orb is moving is the way that daddy long leg moved and to be and then to start to slowly dismantle what may have happened in that first thought form that i was given to see something scary the one thing i'm afraid of is spiders so that's what i see and then to slow i had to do a lot of work on my own self first to ever get to the point where i believe my guide said it's time for you to see this and it was through meditation several kinds of meditation deep meditation and specifically asking to go into that memory and see what's happening just before i wake up and hear that and that's where i see the gray beings from i'm at an in an astral point if that makes any sense looking down on my memory so it's not a memory like oh i remember this now it is i was being given the gift to see what else was there yeah well once again so much to unpack there you know my, i was going to say well I, I guess a lot of people would doubt that because well you were just a child and ch children imagine things all of their lives but the fact that you've said that you know more phenomena came into your life these orbs and stuff like that and then you know after several years of filming them then you began to make the connections with what you experienced as a child so therefore there was no doubt about it but up until that point did you ever doubt yourself you oh, know yes. because i guess like a lot of people who experience phenomena I, i'm thinking of myself as well you know because i didn't understand it because i didn't know what i was experiencing because i had no one to explain to me or even talk about this sort of stuff i just thought it was normal everybody kind of sees it um and then kind of progress no further with it you know i just kind of accepted that the world that we perceive with our five physical senses is just all that there is to the world so for me i, I shut all of that down and it wasn't until my awakening that I began to re-experience 
you know, things outside of, you know, the normal kind of five physical senses or what we can perceive in the visible light spectrum, then I began to understand, oh, right, so those things that I've seen years ago, you know, are something special of you, like, you know, they're not everyone can see them or only people who have awakened or have that gift or ability um, can see them. So for me, I shut all that down. Was there ever a point in your life that, you know, you went, oh, that's all nonsense. Forget about it. You know, I've got to make my way in this world. Yes, absolutely. I um, I became an atheist at about the age of 13 and uh, stayed that way. And I was one of those rude atheists where you couldn't say the word Jesus without me lighting up a cigarette in your face and then walking out of the room. Very. That was the worst. It was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's and today, and Jesus is good with me today. Um, he, because I, I came back to him at the very end of my spiritual awakening. Jesus was the last one I embraced. Uh, mm. But there were reasons for that. And I see that now. And it's pretty cool. But no, there was a lot of doubt. And I simply simply didn't see anything for many years. I, there was, I, although I had a belief in this other dimensional world, my issues with God, Jesus, Christianity kept me from, from being able to explore the other world because then I'm, well, then you got to admit there's God or creator. And I couldn't do that yet. So I limited myself for, for about 35 years and my life was absolutely a reflection of that lack of spirituality from just uh, I could not hold on to a relationship to save my life. Uh, many, 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 my to, to this day, I've got one son that talks about the revolving door that his life was with mom's boyfriends. Um, there was a lot of drinking, drugging, uh, just, uh, uh, I had a tendency to get into abusive jobs as well. Abusive relationships, abusive jobs, abusing myself. And I did, I'm starting to try to understand why I had to destroy myself so much. Um, I'm not there yet, but that's one of the things that I'm working on. And again, it's, you start coming back when you, I guess it was, it was basically, it was my practitioner that really started opening me up to this. Started out in just trauma therapy in the 90s because I had severe PTSD from former job and just my childhood. And, but she just happened to be somebody, and I didn't know about this kind of work, but she did energy work and she didn't do medication. I'm going to a therapist and I'm not gonna get stuck on medication. Cool, I'll go see her. It was also somebody that a friend trusted. So because she trusted her, I felt I could. And it was the best person I could have gone to see. And I hope she, I hope one day she sees this and can hear that because she literally opened my eyes by, and she was a hold your space therapist. I had to do all the work myself and um, and she did do muscle testing. So that was how we were able to validate many things. But it was with her that the memory of coming into my body, my before life experience, the first time I ever really talked about it to somebody was to her. And that's when she mentioned that, hmm, you might be a wanderer. Oh, I never, 
Yeah, <laughs> I never heard that term. Oh, really? What's a wanderer? And she's like, well, soul that comes from another star system and an old soul. It was just kind of basic. And oh, okay. I don't even think I looked it up for a couple of years after that. But some of the things that she did with me were uh, EMDR was the big one. That was first. That's eye movement desensitization reprocessing. Okay. Very very good for trauma, for people who have suffered trauma to help you find what the original trauma was that led to like these other traumas. And I had one session of that one and it worked so phenomenally. We were able to target a, an originating trauma for me. There's others, of course, but we were able to do that. And, um, and I was sold on energy work then. Um, later on would come things like tapas, um, emotional freedom technique, so many others. And I kind of saw this practitioner off and on for the first 10 years off and on. I'd go for a few months and then stop and, you know, get her paid off, things like that. When, when my disability came through, because I had to go on to disability, um, I decided at that point, and this is in 2008, toward the end of 2008, I am going to take this shamanic, this client practitioner relationship seriously. I'm going to do my work. I'm going to learn who I really am and where I'm going. I had made that commitment to myself. I don't think I even told her that. And then in 2009 is when, when things start showing up big time. I showed her many of these pictures and videos and things, and she too did not know exactly what it was, although we had an understanding of orbs and that they're around and how we've seen them, you know, behind the saints and things yeah. like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, the halos. Yes, yes. Mm. Very interesting. But no real good idea of what you have in muscle testing, you need to be asking the appropriate question. Or you need to make the query in the right way. So to just say, just muscle test, okay, their spirit, it would always come up yes. But then again, if I muscle test myself, I'm spirit, that will come up yes. If I muscle test the lamp is spirit, it will come, because everything is spirit. Yeah. And so there's a lot of trial and error when it comes to muscle testing. And, um, and over time, I was able to, as I got more information also, from others out there in the ufology community. They did begin to talk more and more about orbs and what they are and, and how long our governments have actually been working with orb technology, uh, things like that. So it's not a big secret. It's they, I think it's kind of a psyop to tell people or to put out there that it's dust. Oh, it's probably dust. So just ignore it. Because after a thousand videos, it, dust, I got a really dusty house then. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess, uh, so, so then what, what changed then? Okay, so you, you, you've sort of become awake and you're doing all this muscle testing and all this sort of stuff and you know, she, you're getting drip fed information. So then what changed? Then what changed about um, the way in which you remembered um this phenomena that you experienced 
Um, what what changed about it from your initial understandings up until this kind of you know heightened awareness or whatever if you want to call it that. So in, in 2018 and 2019, I was at this time I moved from being a client of the shamanic practice to mm -hmm. learning to be a practitioner. So and we would go out to the, uh, a, a reserve place out in the woods. And, and that's where we did our training. Beautiful place, sacred Indian land. And things started happening more there. As a matter of fact, the first trip I even took there I started seeing things coming up out of the ground that I didn't understand. Body, you know, people, bodies, you know, different things. And and um, and I even went and and told my practitioner this. They went off to kind of work on. It. I never really got a clear answer as to what was going on there, but mm -hmm. just told that that kind of thing happens. I guess there were many experiences in those two years as well that happened. Um, that just were different than I had seen before. I'm seeing more. I could see angelic beings in my third eye that were standing behind other students. There was one student in particular that felt she couldn't see her angels or feel her angels. And, and I had been encouraged to speak up if I see things. So I said, well, it's standing right behind you. I see it and I've seen it before. And then there was a pause and suddenly the light bulb went out and right over her, right over <laughs> above her. So hopefully that was evidence for her. But things like that were happening, which were really, really kooky. And um, I could muscle to, I, I was also, my sister is dying at this time. She has cancer and she's very, very sick. But I am also seeing my sister standing out the windows of where I'm at, I'm like, okay. My sister's still alive. How am I seeing her? Not understanding that you can see somebody else's higher self if those permissions were given before you ever got to it. That kind of thing can happen. So I just didn't understand it and didn't get it. But in 2020, when I was supposed to be going into my very last level master practitioner class, it got canceled because pandemic. And I was really disappointed. And I so wanted to be studying something esoteric spirituality all the time. So I just started signing up for webinars and things like that. Reading, for some weird reason, I was suddenly able to read six books at once. Well, what had happened is the because we were on a break and we couldn't go do our training, the shamanic, the, the teachers, the two heads of it, had come up with a blessing for the students in early 2020. So this is April. She called me up, asked me if I wanted the blessing. I said, yeah, sure. And so it's something we did right over the phone. I cannot even remember the words in the blessing, although I, I know it was something where we're setting our intention for highest good, things like that. It was, and she did say after that, she says, so let me know what happens after this blessing. We're kind of wanting to track what's happening with people after this. Hung up the phone searing pain in my lower back like I was being twisted the most painful pain and I knew enough though to ask if it was kundalini rising and so I checked that and it was for the next I don't know how long this goes Zen if I have to go through my journals to find out when I kind of came out of this very surreal state 
but I, I, I'm highly energetic. I'm talking 900 miles an hour to anybody that will listen to me. I am uh, seeing energies come in and I'm feeling them big time. I'm feeling all this energy. What is going on? I'm muscle testing them that there's too much energy in my bedroom going around with an EMF detector and it's going off the charts on everything. I have to move my computers, light bulbs, crystals, everything just to get peace in my bedroom and doing a lot of meditations in my two. I, the first meditation I do after this blessing, I get shoom, taken up into the sky. I, I think this is just in my head and back down again. And it was when I was up there, it was like I was in the roof of the Sistine Chapel. I could see down, I could see clouds below me and there were others up there with me. And then boom, I'm down again. I'm like, whoa, did that really happen? Shoom, I'm up there again. And this time I have a couple more seconds, but no, I'm too busy looking down because it's beautiful to look down at everything. Shoom, I'm down again. And so I did some work around that that yes, I, I did go somewhere and was brought back. What has happened in that time? I don't know. And I am losing time in this kind of period, but I, I'm not really clear how I'm losing it or where it is because we're in lockdown. So everything's weird. Mm -hmm. The next experience I have, again, in a kind of a meditative state, I'm moving this way out of my body. I'm leaving. I'm gone. I'm, I'm going back to where I began, to where I was before I got here. And I know I'm going there and I got no problem leaving here. I don't miss anybody in my family. I don't miss my friends. I don't need a cigarette or a coffee or anything. I'm good. I'm going back to where I was before I was born. I'm, I'm great. And then that kind of stops and I go back and I know I got to go back. There's no doubt about it. I got to go back. It's okay. That's fine. I'm just going back. Mm. And I'm back in my body. And that was another one where I started muscle test. This is where I started getting really serious, not on just my muscle testing, but my intuition. Going first to the intuition and then muscle testing the validity of the intuition. My, what I was intuiting was that I just got an experience of death and coming back. I ask, am I am I physically in some sort of trouble here? And I'm getting yeses. So I finally break it down. I'm going through spiritual, you know, other people, things like that. I finally get it down to the medical. And that's where it gives me the yes. There's some medical issue going on with me. Okay. So then we get into the third thing that happens. And this is what I want to call the spiritual war over my head. I am in meditation and i'm hearing this roaring 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 sound it's what i would think space would sound like if we were just standing out there it's just kind of a roaring kind of sound and i'm getting feeling the energies feeling these energies feeling these energies and i start to hear in the way that of the melding here the the telepathic hearing we have arrived uh, we are sorry about the rough landing. We are in the first wave. There, there might be some other things they said in there. And then in my mind's eye, one of the guides that I had most recently identified hops into my imagery 
and she's she's a blade runner. She's on blades, <laughs> and uh, she's running across the country from the west coast to the east coast. This is weird. This is so weird. What is that? And that was that that was it. But it felt like a kind of a spiritual war happening over the top of me. And like my guides were coming in and saying, no, you bad guys are not going to get a hold of her. And I ask questions and, and through meditation, I'll ask the questions and then muscle test them after meditation. So in the meditation, it was more that, yes, this planet is in a spiritual war. We do have negative factions that want would prefer to control the positive factions. They don't want to see us ascend. They don't want to see us in fourth density. And that that is what everything is all about, is getting us getting us through this without going the way of Atlantis or Noah. And um, so I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? And I'm like, well, because I'm not getting like information. They're not telling me what my disease is. You know, what's my disease? Yeah. <laughs> and they won't tell me. And it, so, and I'm, and I ask, why, why won't you just tell me what's going on with me? And they, this is how they say it. You won't believe us. So we have to do it through the earthly matter, through earthly ways that you will believe. You will believe things that you read and that you can, you know, fact check, you know, that kind of stuff. We have been all your life leading you to certain books, certain readings, certain people, certain places, and we'll continue to do so with this condition. Game on. I was like so into that, so into that. I could not explain this to others, though. It was uh, every time I tried to talk about it, I'd be blah, 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 like that. It's just, it just never came out right. And so even my own practitioner, I don't think she fully understood what was happening because I stopped my sessions and I stopped being a, seeking to become a practitioner because the other part of the message was stop. You are not in a place to be working on other people. You haven't had enough time to learn enough to be able to do this. And I really loved the work, loved working with other people and loved seeing them find their spiritual connection. But it's true. It, it, like a day before my appointment, I would start to go into state on them not on me, on them. And so it's taking up a lot of time. I'm having less and less time to work on myself because I go into state 24 hours before I'm supposed to meet with them. And so I began to understand that. But I still, and I will argue with my guides, I will, I still tried to do it. I kept going all the way through, I believe, July. I kept trying to go and, and have sessions with other clients because they were letting me come in their house and stuff. They weren't, they weren't, Lock, under, locking everybody out, but I would get sick, physically ill every time that I did one until I stopped. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 
that's quite quite a experience and quite a journey. As I said, I can really understand why people say you talk about ninety million miles an hour because you just don't come up for a breath. And every time I go, I must ask her about this. You move five steps and go, what 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 was that I want to be asked her? So yeah, that that that's. It's, I don't know what to say. It's just, it's just an incredible journey that you're on. That and I can really relate to most of it. I can really relate to you know the awakening and receiving the messages and you know the experiences and feeling the energy and all this other kind of phenomenon that you're you're kind of going through because I've went through it myself and it is absolutely incredible and does keep you hungry for more. Even those experiences where you're out of your body and you're in the astral realm and. You know, yeah. you're, you're still in two states at once, I guess. You're in your body, but you're somewhere else. It's, And it is. It's hard to believe. It really is. You go to yourself because there's not not too much literature, I guess, or we, we don't really come across this sort of stuff. It's only when we're awake and when we're going through it, then you start coming across things that validate your experience. Oh, right, okay, well, that was real. Now I can think. But at the time, you're going, mm, I don't know if that's real. I don't believe it or not. So I, I can really understand it. Um, I guess, um, so about the illness then, you know, where are you in that stage? Have you got that diagnosed? Have you understood exactly what it is that you you have and why you have it? You know, was it some sort of catalyst that maybe you're meant to go through? Is it some sort of condition that's treatable? Is it something that you realize that maybe, you know, you're, you're under some form of attack or something? Uh, All of those are such great questions. Let's take the attack first, though. Um, As far as like a continuing attack, I almost have to say no, only because of how many clearings, prayers, healings and things like that that I've been through. However, I think it's it's there for a reason. And the reason being what's happening today. So in the manner that the guide said. They would guide me to certain materials. Something that came across my feed, I think it was on Twitter at the time, uh, was a book by Judy Mikovits. And she's quite maligned right now and um, has been. And I guess, you know, people will do that. But in, yes. <laughs> she, yeah, she does not explain who she is, just for anyone who doesn't know. Yes, Judy Mikovits is the, uh, do I have the book up here? I don't. She is the author of many books describing her work as a biochemist, I believe, in immunology and how viruses or gain of function types are uh, basically used as weapons and um, and just sloppily kept. So there was a lot of accidents that happened with them. Because she worked in the field, and I believe she actually created these herself, so she knows about them. Uh, she was also doing some work on something called chronic fatigue syndrome. Now she's not a chronic fatigue researcher, she's a cancer researcher who's doing this project. And she discovered that there was a type of virus that link that may be linked to certain diseases like chronic fatigue syndrome, multiple sclerosis, lupus, fibromyalgia, and the list goes rheumatoid arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, the list goes on. Our good friend uh, Carla had rheumatoid arthritis, mm-hmm. yes. And um, that it was actually or could be something called an XMRV. 
a xenotropic mouse-related leukemia virus virus. Okay. And that there are many of these and that some of them are just common viruses that, that we know about. One of them being the monovirus or Epstein-Barr virus. Now, it was up to page 50 in the book Plague, where I think that's where I saw it say that Epstein-Barr virus has been linked to multiple myeloma, which is a cancer. That's the cancer my sister died from. My sister, she had no, there was no business to have that cancer in her body in the way that we think of why people get cancer, right? She didn't smoke. She didn't drink. She wasn't a drugger. She was, you know, she lived a clean and normal life. It, and it's a cancer that is usually found in men in their late seventies, not in women in their mid fifties. Um, it was 15 months from diagnosis until we lost her. It was incredibly violent, incredibly painful. Um, and then, and when I saw that in the book, I just, I, I, that's one of those moments where you get taken out by your knees because I knew the name Epstein-Barr virus related to a condition that I had had since the nineties called restless leg syndrome. It was also called Epstein-Barr syndrome way back in the nineties. They kind of dropped that name. So, and I was never able to get really good treatment or information about the restless leg stuff. I was told it was genetic. I would talk to my family about it. But in reality, because my behaviors were so bad for 35 years, much of the way people view my illness is that I just brought it on myself because I did bad things. I toxified <laughs> my own body. But um, what I was able to determine in 2020 was no, no, no. I had mono as a baby. My sister and I both had it and it would replicate between my sister, my mother and I, it would just, all three of us would get it. And we were constantly giving my mother strep throat. So that's why doctors had mine and my sister's tonsils taken out so that we would stop this replication. It was something they knew about back in the sixties and early seventies, but somehow left the public health sphere because they stopped doing tonsillectomies too after a point. Yeah. Um, so I could was able to determine that the mono had been from a very, very long time ago. And it, it says in the research that you're either born with it or you get it first as a baby. Then it reactivates throughout your life. It's in that expression of reactivation that it starts to drive disease or trigger disease. And I may not be using the right terms. I'm not, I'm not a scientist, um, but it, it can trigger it. So if you look at my sister's cancer and then you look at my mother's dementia, which is an unusual dementia, it's 25 years long right now. Dementia usually only lasts like eight to 10 years. She has an unusual one. That is also in the book as being linked to Epstein-Barr virus. So for me, I was like, holy cow. But I, I knew there was a test, so I wanted to have the test done. And I was also at the same time, and this is hard for even me to believe, the same time I'm getting this information, I'm also getting sicker and sicker. Now, not with anything upper respiratory, but it's in my legs, my feet. I'm not able to walk. I'm having a lot of stomach pain, 
lot of irritable bowel syndrome kind of symptoms. <laughs> Same time I'm trying to read this stuff. I, I'm still not thinking that they're related, really. I'm just kind of like, oh, wow, that's weird that they're connected. So I go and I have the test done. And I thought it was just a positive, negative test. Pretty sure it would come back negative and I could just go on my way, you silly little thing. <laughs> you think you're listening to angels. <laughs> no, you're not. You're just talking to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> But then the test came back on my numbers. Oh. I don't know why this phone is doing this. Sorry. <laughs> That's us. And so uh, my numbers were off the charts. Uh, she refers to something called an abnormal antibody response, which I could never get a definition of either out of her book or on the internet in 2020. But when I saw my test, I knew that that's what she meant because you have a range of numbers that the antibodies should fall into and it shouldn't be over like 18. Mine were up in the 300s and 600s, depending on which test. That's when I knew that it was, and then I, you know, I learned in this time too, because I'm reading lots of people, not just her, learn about chronic active Epstein-Barr virus, also something they call recurring mono. And, and that that is my, con my condition. It's supposed to be rare. Only 1% of the population supposedly has this. But is something rare if three people in one family have it? And then if you look at my mother's family in Puerto Rico, that's the side of the family that gets the cancer and the diabetes and the fibromyalgia and the chronic fatigue syndrome and the MS and the lupus. And when you look at the history of Puerto Rico and you know that it's been a place that's been toxins were tested on, you kind of go, okay, this is starting to make some sense. Where I was able to pull it all in though, with ufology and not just esoteric spirituality was when I discovered Kathleen Martin, who is the niece of Betty and Barney Hill. And I had listened to her do an interview with a guy named Whitley Streber, I believe his name is pronounced, in which she was describing different commonalities with, with people who have had either contact or, or abduction. And one of those commonalities being recurring mono. Wow. So to me, that just, it's like, that's full circle. And the, the angels were telling me back in that big fugue state, you need to connect what's happening today with what happened in your childhood. Start looking at that. Because I was always reluctant to look at my early childhood stuff under my shamanic practitioner. And so that's where it brought me full circle. Wow, what, a, what an amazing story. That was exactly going to be my, my next question to you. How does that relate you know, to, your, the, to the phenomenon that you're receiving, to the phenomenon you're experiencing? Why, I guess obviously just for concern, but why would these beings you know, to be telling you to stop concentrating on your shamanic work and you, you've got this illness and I, I, obviously now you've just kind of explained it. That's, that's pretty phenomenal. Um, but why, I, I guess that, 
because there's a couple of different questions, but why why is this a common trait? Have you understood that? Is there research or is there is there is there an answer to that for people who have had contact or have had abduction experiences to end up with these conditions? Is is this a, a direct result of this you know contact of these abduction experiences, or is it simply I don't know, a genetic or, as you say, the background that you've you've kind of come from. Because if that's the case, it would, to to the layman, I guess, to someone who is versed in, you know, contact experiences in UFOlogy, it would seem that um, these beings are far from benevolent. That they're, you know, potentially carrying out experiments or, you know, something like along them lines. So. We've always, in every group, we've got good and bad. We've got positive and negative. I do believe that there have been negative experiments done on mass numbers of people on this planet as a means of keeping us away from our spirituality so that we don't ascend. Mm -hmm. At the same time, there's also others in the field that say there are benevolent ones that have been experimenting with us and and they use viruses to do this sometimes it i'm not i don't have a real clear basis of on this yet this is something that is coming through through various channels and some of the people in the secret space program the, that that field that have an understanding of there's been some some genetic stuff going on with the earth human forever we've always been worked on if the in the voyager series books they actually do go into quite a bit of detail about how it can be negative or positive abductions and contacts happening and that who 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 is it that wrote the voyager just in case there's a number of voyager books out there and people pick yes, up something there are there are that's the work by ashayana dean and the Guardian Alliance. So that's some very interesting reading, if you can get through it. It's it's kind of dense too, but that helped me to understand that they can be, you can be both physically abducted and contacted and astrally abducted and contacted, that there are things within our soul contracts. So before we ever get here that we had our higher self may have made the decision that we could be astrally abducted in order to give us counseling, guidance, shore us up, whatever that may be. Um, and yet then there's the not so helpful beings that will do the other kind of experiments that are violating free will because they don't have permission from the higher self, but they are coming in specifically to keep us from reaching that spiritual zen that we're trying to get to okay very interesting so your own experiences then you know when you're looking back on them because one of the earlier questions i guess that i wanted to ask was you you know the way you perceive these beings were a kind of daddy long leg um well, I don't think either of us has a correct scientific term for that. We'll just call them daddy long legs. Yes. Hopefully, hopefully that's a universal term in all languages. <laughs> Any Chinese people watching this, could you please confirm that daddy long leg is, is 
<laughs> anyway, yes, I guess why was was that you know was that image was that image something that you interpreted in your child um, mind psyche, or was it um, the actual form of these beings? And if so, why would they appear in a format? Um, and then this opens up another question: Why would they appear in a format? that uh, is going to disturb a child or going to frighten a child. Okay, that's really good. Thank you, because I this is where I had my greatest amount of difficulty in understanding the memory. Why, if it's something good, is it starting out as a daddy long leg and scaring me? Okay, so there were two types of, of being in my memory. There were a, the not so helpful grays that were there first. I don't know what that was about or what they were doing to us. I just can see them now that they are in the house, one at my mother's side, one at my dad's, and one in the room with my sister and I. And they've got us all in blue beams except me. I'm not being held in a beam for some reason. I think that is purely thought form coming from these grayer, these gray beings because they want they wanted me to see it as a certain way they did not the orb itself is my soul family they came in i, I don't want to say it's a rescue i it's almost maybe to interrupt something or maybe to make sure that they were seen so that i would remember this sometime it's really confusing but i think that the the it, they were an orb I got a thought form that made them look to me like a daddy long leg, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, doing this kind of work, researching this, you, I think the more, it's a very true saying, the more that you know, the less that you realize you actually know. When you start out in this path, um, you think, well, I, I know it, I, I kind of know it all. It's when you advance and progress along this and accumulate more knowledge then you begin to realize I've only got the tip of the iceberg. This is so complicated. It's not as simple as, oh, good and bad or grays and whites or whatever. There are so, so many um, facets to this. There are so, so many things and there's still quite a lot of it that we don't understand. Um, so it, it is, it's absolutely fascinating. And I, I think I was, I was saying to you in a, in a, in a, when I was speaking with you um, through different media, you know, like, are we ever going to get to the bottom of this here in our in our human lifetimes? Are we ever going to get a like a, a cosmic rule book? You know, if you like, well, say, well, this happens like this, but on this occasion, you know, kind of like the small print, you know, the small print of spirituality and UFOlogy, you know, you need to read the terms and conditions. Um, but it's just so complicated and so thing. And I guess when you get one question answered, another two pop up in their place. Yes. Don't they? it's, yes. it's just man. I, I had somebody actually say to me one time about the work that I do, it, about finding stuff out that, well, there's supposed to be mystery. We're not supposed to have all the answers. And I'm like, You're, you don't get all the answers. You never. You just, you answer one thing and three more doors open for you. So not to worry. By exploring your inner world, you're not, I can promise, you'll never get all the answers. <laughs> yeah, that really is. It's a life, it's a lifelong journey of seeking, exploring, 
of understanding and we, you know i think that um even even when in your journey you'll come across information that you go no i, I don't believe that i don't i don't I, I just can't i can't buy that that just seems too far-fetched for me only to find six months a year two years whatever the case may be a decade down the line that that information comes back again along your path but because you have progressed and advanced to a certain thing now you begin to see it in a different light yeah so i think that even if a lot of the stuff that maybe you're listening to you're researching doesn't make sense it doesn't matter maybe it's not for you maybe it's not you know because we all have our lessons here to learn we're all here to experience different things it may not be for you and your path it may not be for you right away so just leave it alone it doesn't it doesn't need to make sense it doesn't need to it, you're not going to fit everything into one tiny prepackaged box and go right that's it you know so it, it is very helpful to i think to to understand that the other question i had to ask is that maybe a lot of people would be asking you know quite rightly so like what what was the connections you know when we talk about spirituality we talk about spirit and all that kind of thing and i guess the traditional way of viewing spirit is something that isn't in the body you know it's disembodied it's a light being and then we come to the topic of ufos and obviously there's a in in the public consciousness maybe not so much now but there is this concept of um you know otherworldly beings traveling in physical craft and um, maybe maybe an advanced technology that we have um but i guess we we kind of know that once again the more you kind of research this you begin to blur the lines between these two two things so my question i guess was you know when i was saying why would they have chosen to appear in that form and i guess that what i'm trying to get at here is that you know can you explain your understanding of, of what these beings are because we're talking about them as ufos or as extraterrestrials but we're also throwing in the concept of spirituality how do these two seemingly separate terms seemingly separate fields you know what's the connection how do they really combine with each other oh beautiful question beautiful question the densities it's because we exist throughout these different levels of density. And depending where you're at in that density will depend on whether you require hard material craft to travel in or whether you can travel astrally and appear more like an orb. Uh, it's going to depend on where, where you are at in your abilities depend on where you're at on, on that, the level of density. Uh, we're in third density, but apparently we have m way more abilities than we use, but we're kind of a special case. What Shanggu is sixth density is what I get. Shanggu is my, is what I call my soul family. And the, it's basically, even though you see many orbs in the picture, it's really just one energy. And uh, during that time in early 2020, two words kept repeating themselves to me, Shanggu and Shungite. And I finally went, is that your name? And I get a yes. Fine, Shanggu. That's weird, but okay, I'll, I'll keep it. 
later on, I found out shungite is a resonance stone and it's a vibrational resonance stone. So interesting. Um, so yeah, uh, where were we again? I jumped all over. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about these, this concept of densities that these higher yes. beings um, are in these kind of evolved states that we call densities and therefore they're able to to appear to us in what we would think as a spirit. There doesn't really seem to be much difference of anything at all, seems to be just one thing. It's, I think it's our limited understanding of this here that we think, oh, spirit, UFO, and really at the end of the day, the fact that these beings are able to um, change shape, appear visible to us, disappear, um, you know, appear in, in, in these kind of orb formats, tiny, right. tiny orbs, enormous orbs, um, would suggest that they are at a level that we would consider, you know, even if I hate even using that, they would be at this kind of vibration or this state of consciousness that we would consider to be a spurt, mm -hmm. but it's just not quite like that. Uh, Kathleen Martin's most recent book called Forbidden Knowledge, the second half of it is a, a group that is channeling the higher density beings, and they discuss this a little bit. The Law of One also discusses the, the difference in, in how they're able to travel depending on the density. But I think that that, that is what it, we're a very populated universe. Everything is spirit everything is creator and we choose to materialize for an experience that's why this is temporary and that's permanent but we get all confused on this planet thinking this is the you know that that spiritual yeah. stuff is the afterthought but we'll worry about that when we're dead no you need to worry about it now <laughs> now um and and this stuff that's happening here in the material realm is really just not that important except that it's giving us lessons so yes they come as we're a populated universe we have beings on many planets in many star systems across many universes and planes and dimensions and everything and we're in relationship with each other because we all come from creator. Creator created the eternal soul. Then the eternal soul goes and manifests. And I think that's where I was most confused most of my life. Everything was the material world more important. And then you just think about God and all of that later on, you know, quietly to yourself shh, kind of thing. <laughs> Brilliant. So I guess um, at this point, we, we kind of need to talk about, because um, we've, we've kind of went over your life. I think I've pretty much covered all of this here and any sort of questions is about these beings and stuff like that. And I guess, you know, anyone who's kind of listening to this and has been listening to it from the start um, will understand that I've mentioned that you actually have um, photographs and you actually documented a lot of this stuff in videos. And you've mentioned it yourself. You've captured a lot of this for years in videos and you're actually going to share some of it with us now sure love to okay so share screen and... okay so just explain is what we're seeing here then all righty let me okay here share oh i see okay so this one is about 2015 this is just a flurry of 
energetic activity going through my living room. I like those, the big white one there. That's why I pulled this in. This, that's Shanggu. And I, I consider all the extra around it as part of the residual uh, energy. This, the orb itself carries purpose. It carries communication. It's not actually carrying necessarily beings, but there's a crew on there. There, what is represented in there is my higher self, as well as either other aspects of other lifetimes that I have been or others that I have crossed in other lifetimes that I've been. I have done a count of there are more than 99, but I am only familiar with 32 that I have, that I know. And then, so that goes through, you'll see a bunch of these go around and fly up from different places. Now I have realized why there are so many and why they're kind of blinking all over the place. That's um, I, part of the shamanic work that we do is retrieving soul fragments. So in in questioning, I finally determined, could this, because what the orbs do is reflect what emotional state you're in. They also reflect whatever's going on with you. They can, they, it's, you're in relationship communication with something beyond the veil. And for me, it is with my higher self and my soul family, but I, I'm not going to guarantee that with everyone. Um, so... I kind of lost my train of thought there. Let me let me see if I can find another. Um, I don't know how I oh I get out of full screen. Another one of the. Oh, apologies. We we've just kind of lost Sonia. I try to. Um, <clears throat> we we had multiple. Uh, we had multiple um, videos there, and I'm slowing down the connection. So hopefully she's she's going to, to join us again in one little second. We just wait patiently for him. Nope. Yep, there she is. All right. So I guess you can't just, just grab stuff. No, okay. no, I think it was my fault because I was just explaining. We had two different videos. I tried to, to add your video and then you added it as well, and it slowed the connection down. Oh, so I, I tried to remove them. It, it kicked everything from the screen. <laughs> okay. So, okay, so that that was basically the video that I was showing. That was many orbs. Today, they're more solid into one, and I'll see if I can find... Find that one. Um, nope, that's not going to be it. Well, actually, because I couldn't, I couldn't get all of these. It wouldn't, it wouldn't watch everything. But what I found, I'm going to open this one because this is an unusual one. Was that when they start to coalesce into one, it's evidence that the soul fragments have returned. That's okay. part of what their evidence is. And here's another one, though, which shows. I don't know if you can bring that up. Okay. I, I, I didn't want to touch anything in case. No. Okay. There it is. Okay. Nope. That's the exact. Oh, it's only giving me the same one. 
Okay. I know what it is because this is what it has me do. It has me go in and get them out of the folder that I have here. And then I have to move them. There's, there's multiple. I mean, you can see, you can see they're all like, how many is that? That's all different. That's crazy. That's that there's crazy. many, many, many. And I wasn't able to show you. Here's another one. Let's see. You remove one from the studio and then you have to add another one. So let's add you one. Um, here's a good one. Where was that filmed? Uh, at That is here in Oregon. Are you able to see that one on screen share? No. no, I don't know why it's not sharing now. It only let me share that one for some reason. Oh, well. And it won't let me do slides either. It's very strange. I don't want to hit screen share again, because if I do, I'll lose you. Um, but you can go to my website and you can see all of these uh, videos, many of these videos and more. And I will be putting more up there. I am, I've got some updates to do and I'm trying to create just one long stream movie with all as many of them in there as I can get, just with some background music to show that off. But yeah, it's kind of difficult to bring them up. They're in different formats and stuff, and hopefully I'll be able to get yeah. them onto iMovie Maker or something. Yeah, obviously this was this was an experiment. We, we haven't tried this out, and I haven't had anyone on the show who's, who's wanted to, to show some of their stuff. So unfortunately, you know, we didn't get the opportunity to, to practice beforehand. But even the fact that you had that video there and the, the phenomenon you can see in that, even playing it back, and I've seen it before, but just kind of watching it again and, and it's just it's incredible just to see these objects of different sizes of different i don't know they even, some of them even seem brighter you know that just appear in yeah. your screen and psh, psh, psh. but as yeah. you say you know anyone who, who's interested they only have to go to your website and, and look through some of your posts and you've uh you've obviously made some of them available and hopefully as you mentioned you're going to be making more of them yes Yes, I'll be getting back to work. I kind of took a break after I finished the last one because it was a lot of work to get that out there and get it get it straight for once because all of this is very circular. All of this, we, we're in a linear world and we think things need to happen, boom, 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 boom. But when you're in the esoteric world, it doesn't happen like that. And so it can be really confusing. I encourage people, though, that have experiences, write them down, find people to talk to about them, share your story with somebody that's not going to judge you. Yeah, I think that was um, my understanding from, from you as well, is that you, you were largely on your own for a while. <clears throat> I don't think because um, you mentioned to your family that, you know, you, this is what you, you do. Um, this is what you believe. Um, and. and You've, you've made these public and I don't think there was a great deal of support for um for this hopefully she, she'll be back again we seem to have froze oh I'm here me? yes okay. I can. yeah so there wasn't a, my understanding from from what you've told me is there wasn't a great deal of support there wasn't a network of people that were supportive of you certainly not your family but um thankfully you know you you've you found you know a group you find you know someone um or, or a group of people that you know don't think that um you're 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 telling lies don't think that uh you're making things up and do actually believe you and have been through something um similar yourself which is 
is, is incredibly important. It really is to have something like that, you know. So I don't know if that's anything that you could talk about or what you find out. Maybe even if that's a if that's a bit of a question, what you've kind of found out, maybe more information that have validated your experiences. Uh, definitely. I, I did have to find a way to validate for myself my reality. And uh, you can't really get have somebody else tell you, oh, yeah, what you're seeing is this or that. Even another experiencer, because they have only their experience to go by. But I did uh, with my family. It, it, there was a, a lot of reluctance. <laughs> um, and my kids don't really know any of this. They don't they don't ascribe to any of it. Uh, my father is still alive and he knows of the website, but I don't think he thinks too much of it. I do have cousins, however, on my mother's side of the family. And this is the sensitive side. Uh, we had of my aunts and uncles. One of them was a channeler. One of them was a medium. And most of them all were sensitive. My mother had nine brothers, eight brothers and sisters. And I can see now today some of the things my mother said, which show that she was a sensitive also. So I come from that lineage. So it was with them also with the, the condition that I have, because it's a, they're saying it could be a genetic disorder. I was concerned for that family in particular. And in explaining all of this or trying to share this with them, a couple of one cousin is enjoying it and started reading the website. A couple of others kind of backed off from it because this is, it brings up stuff for them as well. And I noticed that Peter Maxwell Slattery is one that gets a lot of orb activity and he gets a lot of UFO activity. He's one that I talked about his family also has experiences, but they don't share them. There's something about that that's kind of weird, but about the lineage and again, about why UFOs, why we would be being contacted by these higher density beings, whether it be in a spirit form or an actual UFO, it has to do with the fact that we have made this planet so toxic, so unlivable, even for ourselves. We have these teeny tiny short lives in which to learn our lessons and hopefully ascend. They are here to warn us and to help us. And they have been trying to reach us and tell us about these things for a very long time. We know that with the raw material, with Francis Swan, with so many others. So it's not that you have to be anybody special. Nobody is special on this planet. They're coming to all of us, but we don't necessarily believe what we see. And that's the trick right there is when you can stop putting material world first or material doubt first and go straight to spirit first, because you can always debunk spirit with material later. Go to spirit first and you get a whole lot more hope that way. Yeah, fantastic. I guess a, a lot of people, you know, who once again aren't first, well, why don't they just, why don't they just land? Why don't they just come and announce themselves instead of this kind of cryptic, Oh, that was an orb there. What was that experience of seeing this kind of being that I interpret as a daddy long leg? You know, why why this kind of crypticness? Why not just come and turn around and say, you know, here we are, come in peace. That's what I look like. You know, um obviously there's very good reasons for that, but I would love to hear, you know, your take on it. 
free will, free will. They would be violating their our free will to just show up. There, we are all in a different place on this issue, all in different places on the issue of God. And to just arrive would would do harm. And because we're in a free will matrix, they the good guys, they just can't do that. They can't bring themselves to do that. So they can only do it one on one on one or small groups when that small group is cohesive, like the 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 Council of Eight One or what um, LNL research do a little cohesive unit. They can start doing it that way. What they're doing is they are preparing us right now as we start to get more embrace this more and more, just suspend the disbelief and embrace it more, we see more. I get more activity when I, when I, oh yes, that's it. And then something else will come. And that's, I really encourage to suspend that disbelief and more activity will come and meditate on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, brilliant. Um, you know, I guess, well, what is it they're trying to achieve, you know, to, to achieve, to, to make us aware that we're not alone in the universe? Is that what their message is? is? Is this why you're experiencing this? And to understand that, you know, there is a spiritual or what we would call a spiritual realm, that there is these higher vibrational realities out there that do um, exist after we transition from this body. Is that simply what their message is to let us know of their existence? Or is there is there something else? I, I believe yes to let us know of their existence, but I also believe that they also have their own agendas. They too are evolving. And part of their job is working with us or ju just as it is our job to care for the earth and the animals on the earth. It, their duty is to care and love us and help us by not violating our free will, which that's got to be really hard, um, and, and just guide us gently as they guide us. If we can win this, if we can win this planet back, we can get into fourth density, they all ascend as well. And so we're, we're moving through that infinite spiral, but it's like we're at a bottleneck and with the earth beings. And we need earth beings to just wake up, just wake up everybody so we can get moving again. And through that, that's that's what I feel. Yeah. One of the things you touched on earlier, which I never really um, elaborated, you know, when you were talking about this concept of the wanderer being this kind of star seed or this kind of old soul, what you know, what has that got to do with these beings that are coming now? You know, are, are they saying, "Well, you're really one of us"? You know, how does that kind of work? You know, well, I'm not really one of you because I'm here now, so I'm a human being. You know, when I leave this reality, then I'm I'm a spiritual being or whatever. So, how does that work? What is the difference then between these these concepts, this star seed and these old souls? I I honestly don't think there's a huge difference. I I mean I think the way that I'm learning this is it's very strange because we have to get into the the theory of creator gods that the higher density beings are able to create forms that then we choose to inhabit. And we do this all over the universe. We're just so blinded on earth that we always 
tend to bring it back down here. Like, why us? Why us? No, they're doing it everywhere else, too. But there are forces out there. There are universal forces. And the negative forces have their duty. Their duty is to enslave and control. The duty of the positive path is to be of service to others. And it, it, it's what God created for us. It's what creator gave us in order to give us these many, many lessons that we'll have until we get to a certain level. And then we start it all over again. And that's the only way that I can conceptualize it, embrace it for myself, that that because nothing's going to end. We're going to end up doing Zenith. We're going to be on another planet (laughs) doing this, this thing again somewhere because we totally choose to come in and do this. We may have come from a higher density chose to come down to this density because we know it will hurl us across. (laughs) We'll go to the end of fourth density if we get this right. We don't have to be at the beginning of fourth. We get to hurl ourselves to the end. And I think that's kind of the competitive spirit of the universe. And that's obviously you're talking about the planetary population as a whole rather than just me and you and a few others. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Why we come here to to be of service to help all the rest of the people who, st- who you're talking about there to to understand and embrace this, to to recognize their birthright, to recognize the reality of their their thing. This is why we, we choose to come here, I think, is, is what you're trying to, what, what you're trying to say is what, what you are saying. Um, yeah, it, it's such a fascinating and, and multifaceted thing. And I guess the subject of uh, negative beings is a very controversial one because there's a lot of people you know, reject that and think that it's simply can't conceive of that, can't conceive of whenever you cross over um, or you exist at a higher vibrational awareness and a higher density. Um, and I guess a density should be explained as a, as a higher vibration of light. Right. Um, and which your consciousness, you know, is, is so much more expanded than what we currently experience so we're able to enjoy this greater awareness of light and we're able to use light in a way that we can't at this level but it's hard for people to imagine that when you cross over that there would be anything such as negative you know why would there be any negative beings when you know you're crossing over and you're and something that i kind of struggled with a, a long time or why don't we hear from when when people are channeling and mediumship and stuff like that, um, why don't why don't negative beings come through? But I guess the thing that I always say to people or to to think that well, if they showed their hand to everyone, then you would know about them. Then you would know how to guard against them. You would know to to think if you just think that um, well, what you're going through is is just a normal thing. Is is an illness? Is a is a is a negative thought? It's just your own self. Then. <clears throat> You're not going to be on your guard. You're not going to think if they just came in and went, ha ha, yeah, I'm a negative being and I'm just going to, to do this. You're going to, you're automatically going to go, was that or about try and take action against it? So I guess it's like that, um, that uh, famous statement in, what do you call that film now? Um, oh, I can see, I can see the cover of my, my mind. And I can't get it now. The usual suspects. Oh yeah. Were- they say the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he doesn't exist. So I think in a way, 
it could very much relate to these negative beings. You know, the, the greatest trick that they have pulled is convincing the world that there is no such thing. So they're able then to continue their their negative work to stop us, you know, from achieving our birthright. Mm-hmm. And and it's hard <laughs> to understand that. Well, when we come from a concept that God created heaven and hell, then it gets very confusing. But the concept that we as incarnate beings energetically create the negative makes more sense to me that that it's either neutral or benevolent but we're the creators of that which is negative which then gets life form it 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 becomes a thought form any thought we think as an energy that's put out there i think that's what they're trying to teach us in the in the raw material that you're you're putting that energy out there it's going to become a thought form and that's how negative exists not yes the creator created the duality but he doesn't necessarily create that negative person that negative person comes from our own collective energies which is what god is it's so it's it's, these are very hard (laughs) concepts and people get very mad at me when i you know people with christian backgrounds get very angry with me when i go down this line this track because I didn't start with the Bible. I started with the law of one and made my way around to biblical verses. Yeah. I guess that's why, you know, in our, in our, in our, well, we're, we're speaking here of the Christian faith, but um, because I, I, I'm not an expert, I'm not well versed in many in other religions, not well enough to know them. But I guess that's where we get our concept of heaven and hell from, you know, in today's uh, era, in today's year of 2022, the, the the Vatican and the, uh, most of the other denominations in the Christian faith have, you know, sort of come and turned around and said, like, there is no hell, there is no such figure as the devil. But we have to understand where that concept came from. And I think a lot of that is, it was wrapped up in mystery to say, well, you know, we have a positive and we have a negative at the end of the day. So the positive is obviously heaven and the negative is obviously hell. And I think that's where those, those terms originated from or where we came to believe them yes yes so i guess um this 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 is all amazing and for people then who want to um look at more of this stuff who want to read your posts in in depth um and, and assimilate this knowledge for themselves where where can they go where can they see your videos where can they see these pictures that you're going to be that you've already shared and that you're going to be sharing even more of my website childofhamlin.com is where i'm putting everything right now and that's pretty much the only location because it's working (laughs) we could click on the videos and they play and so and you can reach me you can email me through that site uh feel free to talk to me about your story i can hold it in confidence um i also encourage people there are support groups out there for uh, contactees, abductees, if you feel that you have had contact, um, you know, you can search those out as well. Brilliant. So what what is the plans for the future? Because I know that you were maybe talking about maybe moving beyond the kind of blog format and maybe doing something a little different. Um, Because it's obviously the journey that I started out on and I I never thought, well, I never thought I would have any of this. And never wanted any of it. And lo and behold, it's just been put into my path while you're doing it. 
So <laughs> you, you've kind of considered that and you've, you've kind of made noises as to maybe you, you might expand beyond that. You've been such an influence on me. You really have. Uh, I No, I do get it. Part of the reason for me putting it in a written blog is I was trying to hide in plain sight. I really didn't want anybody to see it. I'm just going to put it out here. Nobody will see it. But you did. And um, but yes, I would like to find a, another way to present my information. So I'm going to go in and try to do a movie with just those or videos. Then I'm just going to continue my work in the in meditation to see what clues that will give me. I'm using the gateway experience modules, which is what the U.S. government used to train their remote viewers. So I'm using that same training for myself to go deeper into the memories, maybe create a protocol for myself that I could share on the website. And if other people wanted to try it, they could try it. Just ways of being able to meditate and connect. So basically, I'm going to continue being just what I am, just, just an experiencer trying to share the word and, and share as many pictures as I can get and hopefully get other people to do the same. Yeah, that's a, what was going to be my next question, you know, in, in, in regards to maybe branching out a bit or something. I think it's important the work that you're doing, the experiences that you're sharing, because it lets other people know, hey, even myself, um, as you'll know, because I, 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 when reading your post and talking to you, I was kind of like reminiscing and thinking about my own childhood and going, God, I wonder, you know, I have this kind of strange memories that kind of, you know, have been rumbling around my head for since since childhood, the same memories, even dreams that just kept occurring and they were all very symbolic. And I think I mentioned it one time, there's just this sense of missing time in my life. So it's it's an area of my life I'm now kind of looking back on where I've just completely discarded because I'm always looking towards the future. But now because of your work and the influence that you've had on me, I'm actually re-examining my own childhood and looking back and going, God, you know, there, there's something in that. I, I wonder, I wonder, is there anything in my kind of, you know, long forgotten childhood and the, and the kind of strange kind of things that I've experienced, you know, is, is there memories there that I need to reclaim? So if that's had the impact, you know, on me, I'm sure that there's other people out there who, you know, will be looking at your work and, and going, you know, God, I, I wonder about my own past. So I'm, I'm wondering, you know, maybe is there a way that, you can be of an influence in a different format, like some sort of audio format or some sort of podcast, even some sort of radio host or something, or even even giving live talks about this type of thing. I think that, you know, there, there'd be people that maybe would, you know, uh, be drawn to that. I know it's my experience whenever I've been kind of doing live talks and I've been talking about this kind of idea of being a soul from other places and the, uh, uh, is a dislocation that you feel between you know this this planet or whatever and there's people who have you know come on and joined and and, and said yeah i'm at that stage or yes I've, I've kind of been at that so i'm just kind of wondering is there kind of a market there for you a kind of niche which you could you know do something like that there that's interesting thought i mean i put myself out there uh, not not in the sense that it would be marketed for money for, per se, but to market it as an idea. And I have met 
more people. I met you this way. I have met some others. And I, I, what I've also noticed is by watching people like Peter Maxwell Slattery, Kathleen Martin, so forth, they started out just like you and I are right now with maybe a little interview or a little podcast or a little blog or something and just kept working at, at putting their content out there to share. And I believe, I believe that the beautiful many will send, you know, send the right people to see what's there and then and it here we go <laughs> absolutely brilliant well look Sonia, we're, we're going to wrap this up because i've actually just looked at the the lighting on my thing and i think i'm actually turning into some sort of extraterrestrial being <laughs> the more that this light fades upon me so look it was just before you go and it's been an absolute pleasure an absolute honor to have you interview and you're just such a quirky funny character that I could just sit and listen to you all day and I really do hope that comes across for other people who are, who are viewing this once it eventually gets released then you know in a more kind of public format I'm sure that it will be a popular video and many people will be attracted to your personality but is there one kind of thing that you could sum up you know one kind of experience that or one sort of key concept um, or truth or you know something of an inspiration that could sum up through it all your experiences and what you have um, experienced and been through for people who are starting up on this path? Yes. Yeah, it's the one thing that I would say is that no one else can validate for you what the content of your experience is. And in like manner, that means that no one can detract from your experience, invalidate it in any way whatsoever. It yeah. is your experience and embrace it. And then more magic will come. Yeah. You're the experiencer of your experiences. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Love it. Title of our next book. <laughs> Title of your book. Sonia, look, it's been an absolute pleasure. Do you know what? And it, it's, it's been an honor interviewing you this is kind of the first full-length conversation that we've had with each other we've had you know many numerous texts back and forth we've shared numerous audio um, messages and we've just kind of branched out into sending each other video messages but this is the first time that we've actually sat down face to face and it, 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 i really do i knew that um you were going to be a great guest and i'm so so happy to have you on and such an inspiration you inspire me and um, never mind me inspiring you but again that's the connection between us and i guess before you go that connection is obviously congruency so absolutely <laughs> the better absolutely thank you <laughs> Sonia, i will see you in the airwaves yes you will thank you zenith and blessings to you bye bye bye